So welcome back to another Florence School of Regulation podcast. Today I am joined by Claudio Marcantonini and we are here to discuss the EU ETS, also known as the European Union Emissions Trading Scheme. Claudio, how are you today? Fine, thank you. So you've recently given a presentation about the EU ETS, European Emissions Trading Scheme, which is 10 years old now and you've been analysing how it's been doing, whether it's successful and what we can learn from it. Uh, what were your findings? Tell me about them. Yeah, the UTS has been active, active now for 10 years, and um, quite a lot of research was done in this instrument, quite a lot of empirical research tried to, to, to uh, analyze how the system has worked. And I would say that we can draw uh, three main conclusions. Uh, the first one is that the UTS has helped to reduce emission. And uh, I would say this is the most important thing because the goal of this instrument is to reduce greenhouse emission. Now, in these 10 years, we had uh, um, a large reduction of uh, greenhouse emission. Uh, most of it was due to the economic crisis, uh, but at least part of it was due to this instrument. So without the UTS, we would have higher emission these 10 years. Uh, moreover, I think this is the second message, is that the UTS did not, uh, uh, did not add strong negative impact, or maybe not have negative impact to, uh, to, to the economy. Uh, what I mean is that you would have negative impact in terms of production, of uh, uh, job losses, of uh, uh, relocation of industries. Um, how do you verify that? There were uh, several, uh, uh, several studies which uh, look, they cross-check data on a level of a firm level, uh, with that on the UTS, and they compare uh, economic performances of regulated industries versus regulated industries. Other study, for example, they look at interviews to people working on the on, on installation regulated by the by the UTS, and from all this amount of of research, as I said before, it emerged that the UTS did not have strong negative impact, which is a good news because. Uh, there were a lot of concerns regarding the fact that the UTS could, uh, because of the carbon price, we could have loss of jobs and also carbon leakage. And uh, uh, the third message regards investment, because uh, the second goal of the UTS is to support investment and innovation on low carbon technologies. Now, the UTS has helped some innovation and investment. There are some studies that look, for example, at patenting, and they found that the number of patents as in, in low-carbon technology has increased because of the UTS. But I should say that uh, uh, this impact was, I would say, limited, in the sense that uh, in the same years we had a lot of investment in low-carbon technologies, but were mostly due to other policies, like, for example, policies for renewables, uh, policies for energy efficiency. And the UTS was not the main driver. That's because uh, the carbon price <coughs> in the UTS market uh, it has been uh, uh, quite low, especially in these uh, last years, uh, because of an oversupply of allowances. Practically, the allowances given were much higher with respect to the emissions, and this has pushed down the price, which has not, was not perceived as a strong uh, uh, signal for investing in local technologies. Okay, so tell me about phase four. What is phase four and what's going to happen? So, um, there was a, 
uh, an important debate in these 10 years regarding phase 4. Uh, that's because, as I said before, as I said before there is this, uh, uh, this problem, at least many perceive as a problem, on the fact that the carbon price is low and there is, we have this high surplus of allowances and the carbon price is not a strong driver for investment. Um, the Commission, uh, the public consultation, long debate, there were several proposals made from doing nothing to completely reform the system. And uh, uh, from all this debate, I would say the Commission uh, drew a series of proposals. Some of them have approval, some of them still need to be approved. Uh, there are many things we can discuss. I will probably point out uh, three main aspects. The first one is that the cap from phase four will be more stringent. So the reduction will be higher. Uh, this is a good news because, as I said, first we will reduce more uh, emissions, and second, this will push up the price uh, in the carbon market. Uh, the second proposal is that so-called uh, market stability reserve. Uh, the goal is to try to uh, solve this problem of surplus of allowances, but at the same time maintaining the philosophy of the instrument, which is a market-based instrument, where uh, the price is determined by the market. Uh, so how it works is practically part of these allowances are put on on a, on a reserve if the surplus is higher of a, of a, of a threshold. Uh, and the third uh, the third proposal, which is by the way currently under under debate, regards the allocation of free allowances, which will continue also after 2020 for phase four, but it should be improved the way they are distributed to. To industry. Okay, so let's talk about this in an international context now. So for those who might not completely understand the, um, the ETS, say um, uh, it's brought down emissions in Europe, uh, but if Europe, Europe and European companies and Europeans are responsible for um, Asian exports, um, then we too are responsible in theory for those emissions as well. So if we take this scheme into an international context, can it only work if it's um, universal? Okay, first of all, as I said before, there are no, no, there are no, um, actually maybe this I didn't say before, but uh, there are no evidence of carbon leakage. So in the sense that we have reduced emission in Europe, not at expenses of increased emission in other parts of the globe. So the system has worked well in this sense. So there was no risk, at least for these 10 years. Uh, now, regarding the, uh, the international context, uh, I think that what is important of this instrument is that I would say it shows that a carbon price is feasible. So you can, you can build a policy which put a price on emissions at a level as, as large as, uh, as, as Europe. And uh, from my point of view, probably this is the most important thing because I, I think, and many, many people also share this view, that uh, we need uh, a carbon price in order to reduce emissions. So in order to reduce emissions in, I would say, an economic, in a, an efficient and effective way. I don't think that a carbon price alone is, uh, is enough. We need also many other complementary policies. But we also need a price on emissions. And, uh, and the UTS, um, as the largest capital scheme in the world, shows that 
it is feasible to do it. It is not easy. Uh, there are problems, some of them I also said before, there are, uh, it's a learning management process, so you build, you have to construct, you have to change if things don't work as you, as you predicted. Uh, but you can do it, and, uh, and in such a way it is an example for other countries. For example... What you're talking about is a sort of international um, model, a sort of international equivalent of what we have here in Europe. That should be the ambition. Yes, I don't think... Yes, I see... Okay, I see your question. So, I don't think that... Um, yeah, okay, my view is the following. Like, ideal... The ideal... The ideal, the ideal world would have, like, an international, global carbon market, okay? I don't think this is uh, feasible in the... At least in the short and medium run. Uh, what I think is feasible is that Europe creates own... As its own carbon market. There are other carbon markets in the world, like China or South Korea, some of them at the early stage, but in, in the next years they will grow up. And the, 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 the um, two ETS systems, they can uh, relatively easily be linked together. And so, uh, when we have several, uh, uh, several of these carbon markets, the little by little can be linked together, we can create a global carbon market from, I would say, a bottom-up approach. And this is something that uh, many think is feasible, not in the short run, maybe like in 15 years, 20 years, but it's a road that, that is feasible. And in this sense, the UDS is, is, is an important uh, policy as the, as the biggest and um, like the biggest and more important uh, uh, carbon market in the world. Um, so, I mean, it, it feels like something that would have happened in Europe because Europe is a, um, in, in perspective, it's a very, has a very uniform sort of political and economic culture. Uh, whereas in the rest of the world, there aren't really continents <laughs> like that that are so close together. And um, it feels like, if anything, in the last uh, five or ten years, democracy has been sort of in decline on the global stage. So this is really going to be a hard sell in the rest of the world, isn't it? Compared to Europe. Uh, yes, I mean, okay, the, I, uh, I take your point in the sense that uh, given it's a market-based instrument, it works better in a market economy and in a, in a, in a like, uh, more democratic state. Uh, first, I think that there are many democratic states in the world. <laughs> so if only we have only carbon market, those of them is good. Uh, second, our experiment of uh, uh, carpentry system in a less democratic uh, country. So, in principle, I don't see democracy as, um, uh, I would say, a um, country which is not democratic. Uh, in principle, can, doesn't mean that it cannot create uh, a carbon market. What is important is that he has some sort of market economy there where people can trade, freely can trade the, the, the allowances. Okay, so uh, let me end on a note of optimism. So almost everything we read about climate change in the modern era is completely pessimistic and completely dire and completely apocalyptic. But it seems something like, uh, like this, that we've had emissions dropping throughout the continent for almost a decade. Surely um, the emissions trading scheme for the European Union, history is going to judge the first 10 years of this as a rather remarkable success in the face of overwhelming pessimism. Is this, is this the one of the European Union's greatest achievements? I think so. That's my personal point of view. If you look at emissions over GDP, 
um, emission reduction over GDP, this has increased a lot. So now we are, there is a decouple between emission and GDP, and the UTS has helped to increase this decouple between emission and GDP. Uh, and I think this is, this is an achievement which is, was also due to the UTS. So uh, my view on this instrument is positive. Uh, I think uh, that uh, uh, in many aspects it should be improved, and I think from phase four probably many things will be, will be improved. Uh, but uh, uh, it shows that you can create climate policy at, at least at continental level. Now, I, it's true that EU is a special place. Uh, I mean, it's, it's not a federal state, but it's much more than simply a treaty among states. So it's, it's a, the, the, there is a structure behind the... the there's, a, there's a deep structure which regulates the, the, the relation between the countries in the EU. Uh, but uh, 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 first, the UTS is larger than the EU. There are three countries which do not belong to the EU, but belong to the UTS. So this is the first sign that it can be enlarged to other to other countries. For this neighboring country, which for which we are, there are many many relationships with them. And uh, uh, second, it was we were very close to link the UTS with another country, with Australia. Eventually, this did not happen, but not because of the EU because Australia I mean, they decided to abolish uh, the system. Uh, but these are all signs that, uh, that uh, uh, I mean, this system is playing a role at international level. Now, the road ahead of us is long, uh, is difficult, uh, and uh, I would say there are many reasons to be pessimistic. My view, at least on this side, is a positive one, and I think that despite all problems that the UTS had and still has, uh, it is a big achievement. Okay, well, on that note, I'd like to thank you for joining me. I think that was a fascinating yes. podcast. I hope our listeners enjoyed it, and I hope we can talk again soon. Thank you.